And hello and welcome one and all to the comic multiverse, the last comic multiverse I should say of 2018. Didn't didn't mean to scare you Matt and didn't mean to scare the audience there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's probably someone that is very scared at oh, the moment. Oh, I'm sure. Ah, eh, you know what? 127 episodes, Matt. We had a good run. We can just play <laughs> these in syndication. Let's let's just stop now. <laughs> did did any show stay good after 130 episodes? I ask you. I ask you, really. No, not really. I can only think of so many shows that actually made it to 130 episodes. Yeah. At that point, we're getting into, like, uh, Simpsons Gunsmoke territory. Mm-hmm. At that point. But, uh, yes, everyone, it is our last show of 2018. And, oh, my, do our cups runneth over with content. On this episode, you're going to be getting not just one, but two epic spoiler casts that I know people have been asking for, Matt. You know, for those who don't know, Matt and I actually used to do a TV podcast called Cape TV over on one of the other uh, comic story and channels. And that show has its own really dedicated fan base. We haven't done it in a bit, but we're going to talk about TV. We're going to talk about the big three-night Elseworlds CWDC crossover. Yep. And then we're going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Matt wasn't sure he was going to be able to see it, but he did, which is nice. I did see it, and I'm glad I did see it. Mm-hmm. Likewise, I had a hell of a time getting there. My shitty small town theater didn't have it, so I had to brave the frozen roads and tundras <laughs> to go to the next town over to see it. So never say Joel didn't do anything for you. Joel literally risked his life to see Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also worth it. It was also worth the uh, almost vehicular death that I could have suffered. Yep. Going to the next town over. But yes, everyone, if you haven't seen Elseworlds, if you haven't seen Spider-Verse, be sure to save this episode and come back later because we're going to be going to be digging right into it. We're going to be spoiling everything. I figure let's start with Elseworld first because that started earlier in the week and then we can uh, close out with Spider-Man. Yeah, sounds good. So yes, Elseworld, the big, much-touted three-night event on the CW. Not... Not four nights because uh, what is it? Legends didn't Legends didn't get invited this time. No, they 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 kind of had their own Elseworlds thing happening though. They kind of did thematically, which makes me wonder. Like, did they write this like it was supposed to be part of the crossover, then pulled it out at the last second? I feel like they might have. Yeah, like all the all the things were like like a byproduct of what the monitor and john deegan were doing and like it wasn't connected but it was connected in that way or maybe it just got too funny where it's like all right this is too good this needs to be its own thing now yeah yeah but uh yeah so again i i guess let's just start with our initial reactions and then we can uh dig right on into it from there i thought it was pretty good but nowhere near as good as crisis on earth x from last year <laughs> I, I can see why you, you would say that. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. There there was some things, and we'll talk about those things, that I didn't like or didn't think like were worth the, the hype up that they were giving it. Yeah, because that's the thing. The, the crossover we got and the crossover they sold are two very different things because the way they mm -hmm. sold it, they're like, hey, hey, you're going to get to see Batwoman. She shows up in one episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> one, like, one scene. For a couple, yeah, only a couple scenes. It's like, okay, well, the Monitor is going to be the villain. No, Dr. Destiny was no. the villain. <laughs> Dr. Destiny is still cool, and I'm glad we got Dr. Destiny, but you promised me the Monitor. But it, it, even then, like, Dr. Destiny technically wasn't the villain because then it just became black suit superman then it became black suit superman so that was another thing and then they're like oh nora freeze is gonna be in this 
she's there for a second because Killer Frost needed someone to fight for a minute. Yeah, yeah. The, all these things that they kind of sold us on or we wanted to believe are actually going to be a bit more uh, involved in the crossover really weren't. But no. saying that, the crossover was good. Yes, it was it, great. It was. It was genuinely pretty damn enjoyable obviously you know we're working off the conceit here that uh the flash and green arrow they, they got a freaky friday situation going on or is it a quantum leap situation <laughs> as they joke several times in the episode they've they've switched bodies but only we as the audience are aware of the switch <laughs> i do and i, and I love uh oliver's first reaction to that is like god damn it what has barry done now yeah he just obviously everyone jumps to the conclusion oh he's clearly screwed with time again this is clearly his fault <laughs> uh, another on-running joke that i appreciated is that uh oliver uh didn't quite gel with how the flash ran his show and vice versa it's like oh, you guys are always uh always hugging and always having uplifting speeches and everything we don't <laughs> do that where i'm from <laughs> yeah and i like that they had to like just keep up with the thing they had to play each other's part and in doing that they both became i want to say better yeah they it, it, it's like like oliver uh, was allowed to be funny and yeah. smile and ha have a good time and everything like oliver queen kind of should be <laughs> and barry could buckle down and be a little bit more serious it's it's literally yeah. it's a literal version of they walked a mile in each other's shoes quite literally yeah yeah they, they walked a crossover in each other's shoes even got to wear uh, each other's costumes which is funny because mm -hmm. for steven amell it's like oh this is a little tight and for grant gustin i'm literally swimming in this thing yeah yeah i i like it i like that the um the the flash costume on steven amell it, it, it looks better on steven amell again you had the conspiracy theory and i truly believe it after watching this episode that they made that new costume with this crossover in mind and mm -hmm. that's why the head is the way it is yeah and i reckon it was meant to be in this crossover only but then they're like i oh, will bring it into the into the main show which is why they got the ring and everything yeah, yeah it's good enough for us <laughs> But yes, uh, the the whole conceit of this episode, or, or I guess the big uh, the, the 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 big opposing force is the monitor is going around as as we think destroying universes, but as we find out mm -hmm. later, he's actually testing universes for mm -hmm. the coming crisis that they have literally been teasing since Flash season one. Yeah, there's something big coming, and he's he's trying to recruit the best heroes he can find from throughout the multiverse into, I guess, his version of like a Justice League. Mm -hmm. And he figures the best way to test them under pressure of what a crisis could potentially bring, he gives like a, a god book, he gives someone the ability to rewrite the universe to a crazy person, Dr. John Deegan, who of course, if you know your comics, is Dr. Destiny. Yep, played here by... Um... Oh, what's the actor's name? I know he's from he's from Justified. He was he was Dick Dicky and Justified. He was in Lost too, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, the actor, very familiar character actor, very popular mm -hmm. guy. Turns in a great performance here. I like I like he's giving a little talk there, uh, a little lecture at a college, and he's like, yeah, you know, we can totally, you know, we can become Superman, and we can totally, <laughs> you know, push the boundaries, man, all through the power of eugenics. Everyone's like, done. <laughs> just just like in real life when someone starts mentioning eugenics done yeah i'm out <laughs> bye look, look man sure people used it to forgive a lot of really terrible stuff but you just gotta listen to my oh and they're gone <laughs> but yeah he, he is suitably creepy 
Uh, what I was not expecting is that Amazo is kind of the first villain they fight. There's like every episode kind of had its own villain to go with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that Amazo was that, and especially since like for the longest time we knew like stuff like that probably couldn't happen because thanks to like like um, Arrow doing shit where they're like Amazo's not a robot, it's a boat, it's a and boat. this this felt like this... them going back and fixing that. They're like, hey, sorry yeah. about Amazo boat, everyone. Yeah, see, here's the actual Amazo, and it looks pretty cool as well. Yeah. Hey, he's got a little elf face. He works exactly like he does in the comics. He can steal everyone's powers. Yeah, and I like when he steals the power. He gets, like, their symbol on, on the chest. He's like, I'm using Supergirl's heat vision or flash of speed or something. That's fun, and that also facilitates the other big marching order of this crossover, and that is, hey, let's get Superman in on the action, too, and to do that, we need a threat that would actually, you know, justify having Superman come to help, and I think Amazo definitely counts. Definitely, definitely. And uh, Superman has a lot going on. He's hanging out on Kent Farm. He just came back from Argus, and Lois is there. Lois is there, yeah. she's the, These two are much more focused of the the supergirl episode uh than even than even supergirl is um which is fair because they only get like one episode every couple of years and you know it's a big big goddamn character and everything and it was great it was absolutely great they used the smallville theme when they when they introduced small uh smallville which is great god you just know they were (laughs) so pleased with themselves when they got to do that they're like this is gonna blow some people's fucking minds yeah, that that was really great. I, I like seeing Barry and Oliver interact with Clark. That's I thought really that was great. Cool. That is nice too, and that's like, oh, these are your friends, huh? And it's even better as well because uh, Grant Gustin is a huge Superman fan, right? So he's like, he's like, kind of like fanboying over. And there's even a line when um, John Deegan's talking about becoming a super man he's like it's just one word there's no hyphen or anything no hyphen. i thought that was pretty cool yeah we're not talking about spider-man i like the nice Chekhov's gun situation where when we first meet lois she's talking about hammering stuff and she has a hammer in hand and what does she do at the end of the episode or at the end of the <laughs> she final? uses a solar hammer <laughs> uses a solar hammer to help defeat the bad guy i'm like that's nice that's bringing it full circle that's fun uh, yeah, yeah. R- really, episode one is just them kind of, you know, dealing with the body swap and eventually having a big fight with Amazo. It's not till episode two that things really start to heat up because they have to go to Gotham, a city often mentioned in these CW superhero shows, but the first time we've actually got to go to Gotham. Yeah, and it's it's not the first time we've heard like Batman or Bruce Wayne mentioned, but this episode kind of like hammers home like what's his deal in the Arrowverse. So we learn that Batman has mysteriously vanished along with Bruce Wayne, of course, for three years, and because of that, the city has basically gone to shit. And there's like you know it's riots, and you know, all the buildings are like covered in in uh, in in overgrown leaves and graffiti and everything. Bruce, uh, Wayne Tower is just a mess and everything zero year yeah basically no man's land or something yeah there's roving militia gangs that just (laughs) walk the streets rich people are taken around in armored cars and i'm like wow (laughs) this is a bad city more more like gotham shitty am i right (laughs) some people will get that reference some people won't (laughs) and yeah um this is where we're introduced to kate kane who i guess is 
she says she's like running Wayne Enterprises or something, or like yeah. at least in the building or something that's going to be turned into a real estate office or something. Yeah, they, they kind of left it open where it's like, wait, did he leave control of his company over to you and you're just doing a bad job, or did he just leave the building over to you and the company's being <laughs> run by other people? Yeah, it's it's very strange and also like. Why is the city going to shit if she's, like, Batwoman? Does that mean that she's not as good as Batman? Yeah, that kind of, that kind of sends a poor message there. Don't don't worry, Matt. All of these questions will be answered when we get the inevitable Batwoman show. In fact, that this big chunks of episode two are just setting up questions to be answered in the Batman show. Or Batwoman will, show. We get the, will we get those answers, though? I'm sure. I mean, they got to do something. <laughs> they gotta do something <laughs> i mean they gotta do something with it i'm sure those will be the big questions where did batman go who's in control of wayne enterprises is alfred still around or did alfred go with batman yeah none of this is really answered or anything and i i do like though however that like oliver is like he's kind of jealous that batman was before him he's like no batman doesn't exist he's the urban legend created by the cops so he i'm the first I love that. vigilante. That's really good that he is jealous of Batman. No, it was me. I'm the first vigilante. I created it. Me, me, me. Yeah, okay, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Batman begins for an entire season. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I'm actually glad you mentioned that too because it's like, yeah, it's almost like if we have a Batwoman and a Gotham, we don't need you anymore, Arrow, and your show's been on for several seasons. It's almost like you're winding down or something. In fact, this whole three-parter was really kind of about Ollie winding down, and they seek to foreshadow several things that makes me think he might not be around much longer. Well, we'll get to that when we talk about part three, because there is something I want to talk to, talk to you about that and get your get your opinion on it. Uh, we got to see Arkham, which I absolutely loved that they yep. had the big final fight scene in Arkham. An Arkham that looks great, by the way. It does. It looks aesthetically pleasing. The the one thing I really hated though is that we get like um we also get those shots of like all the cells of like Penguin and Harvey Dent and all these, and then like then they seemingly open them. So I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. We're gonna get to see some of these villains. That's the problem. They have this big fight, and we don't see any of those villains nope. at all. But 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 apparently they all get locked back up. Yeah, we, we see Mister Freeze's wife, and we see the Psycho Pirate. Yeah, and, and and that's all. Which which did you think you would see that in this crossover that you would get to see Psycho Pirate on television? And by the end, Psycho Pirate does what Psycho Pirate does. He is aware of changes in the universe, and he keeps those memories even when no one else does. Yeah, I guess that was I guess more set up for the the Batwoman. So I imagine he's maybe going to be the villain of season one. That would be interesting. I could totally see that. I, I I like he's got the golden mask, and I'm like, oh, well, that could be anybody. Then he pulls out the baseball bat that has the Psycho Pirate colors on. I'm like, oh, holy shit, that's Psycho Pirate. Yeah, a lot of people didn't seem to th know who that was. They're like, well, who's this guy wearing a mask? Is, is that a Court of Owls member? Because uh, the mask kind of looks like an owl face a little bit. It looks very owlish. It, it doesn't actually look like how the Psycho Pirate's mask should no. look, but I let it go. Also... Arkham Asylum, again, you mentioned some of the Easter eggs. There's Bane's mask there and a bunch of other shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Bane's mask from the uh, the Nolan films, not like uh, his luchador mask or anything, which is kind of shitty. Um, but yeah, yeah, they that's like the, uh, was it, the, like the evidence locker or something where they have all like the, the, the Victor Freeze's guns and Scarecrow's fear toxin and all this really cool stuff. 
which that's actually probably my favorite scene in the whole crossover when they accidentally douse themselves with fear toxin and end up fighting their own arch nemesises but in each other there's some really cool camera tricks where it keeps switching that that was really cool and it was great to also uh a get tom cavanaugh back in the mm. in the reverse flash shoot and also get john barrowman back as malcolm merlin i like we've got tom cavanaugh back a bunch this season as reverse flash i'm glad they've mm. just finally thrown up their hands and like he was the best one yeah which is kind of it's kind of weird though because like as we all as we all know like like he wasn't the, like that face wasn't the reverse flash it was no. he was using one of those face things so like they couldn't get the actual actor who played eobard thorn back in no. like legends and all that back i guess i don't know that's fine i like kavanaugh more anyway even if, <laughs> yeah even if yeah. it doesn't make a hundred percent sense and even if when they were kind of goading each other they were saying shit that the other person really shouldn't know about the other person but they do yeah <laughs> But it was a really cool scene with a really cool, you know, action bent to it. And I just, yeah, it was, it was super badass. I loved that one. Yeah, and then and this is like one of the two scenes that Batwoman's in before she disappears. She is in shockingly little, but I did love her office that was filled with Batman references and shout outs like the bust of Shakespeare. Yeah, I, I liked all that. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Oh, I imagine that wasn't her office. That was probably Bruce's office. Bruce's office, but she got a bunch of his shit in there, including the head. Yeah, and I, I said this on Twitter, like, like, could they not get, like, Ruby Rose for, like, the whole, like, crossover? Because it, it, they, they seem to imply that she was going to be joining them, like, yeah, throughout did. the whole thing. That, that's how they made it sound, especially when you cast someone like Ruby Rose. You think, oh, they're going to appear quite a fair bit, but yeah. Yeah, she kind of just stood on rooftops for like yeah. two thirds of her scenes, and and then had a really really unearned line with Supergirl where they called themselves World's Finest. Yeah, that felt like a bit of a shoe, and that felt like them being like, "Look, you're on different universes. We don't ever know when you'll be back together again, so we feel like we need to work this in now." Yeah, they like, they should have just like, even though it probably wouldn't have made sense, they should have done it with like Superman and Green Arrow or something like, yeah, with the world's finest or something, because they fought together, they helped each other, whereas Batgirl kind of just showed up for one scene and then then buggered off somewhere. They they do try and like build a relationship between Kara and between Kate because you know she goes into the office and tries to get some information out of her, and it's a whole thing, and you know, oh, I I know who you are, and you know who I mm. am, but yeah felt like they should have hung out a little more if they wanted to work in world's finest heck they didn't even really fight side by side no yeah they didn't actually even have a fight scene together i don't think no which is a bit of a wasted opportunity but again yeah if we're getting a crisis and if we're getting a batwoman show don't be shocked if we don't get more crossovers yeah well again uh, it's something i'll talk to you about in the in the third part about what might be happening with that yeah yeah so uh it's it's fun. I like Ruby Rose's Batwoman. I'm definitely mm. interested in a Batwoman show if it can keep uh, if it can keep the production qualities mm-hmm. of this. And they've certainly asked enough interesting questions to where I'm like, okay, well, I gotta know now. Yeah, you you've got a, enough interesting questions to keep you going for like a season. Yeah, and and again, if Green Arrow is you know uh, what is it shutting her down the way it looks to be shutting her down. The, the vacancy will be open for a quote-unquote darker, more serious show, and I think Batwoman would be a perfect fit for that, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
And again, maybe Batwoman can have back some of the D-list Batman villains that the Arrow show took. <laughs> yeah, ones that actually would make sense. Hey, they're already pre-established so they can just show up in Gotham and be like, oh, what a nice vacation in Star City, happy to be home, or Seattle, or wherever the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that really weird that we kept fighting that green guy? <laughs> yeah, really, uh, good to be back in Gotham where everything happens. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's talk about this since we talked about how underused Wonder Wo- uh, Batgirl, Batwoman was. Let's talk about how underused the 90s Flash was. Yeah, that's another thing. They really they really sold him. In fact, they even started the episode with him. Earth 90 gets destroyed. We find out that he's actually Barry Allen, uh, the Barry Allen of Earth 90, that he was part of a whole Justice League and everything. And he they literally wave him off yeah yeah well, yeah well firstly he is the the 90s flash that he is that that barry allen which i thought was really cool they brought him back with the proper suit and everything and yeah he, he kind of like shows up say yeah monitor he's he's coming and then like the monitor like i guess sends him back to his earth but he can't get back to this earth i'd it's really left un, unanswered. Well, I mean, Earth-90 was destroyed, right? That was the opening. You know, he they failed the test. He destroyed his Earth, but he was able to yeah. escape somewhere else. So where where did he whisk him away to if he destroyed Earth-90 for its failures? Yeah, is that going to be something that's like maybe comes back in the crisis? Or maybe like... like I, they, I, I wouldn't think they would have built that, that costume again... Uh, just to have it for those like couple of scenes and then yeah not reuse it so maybe he comes back in that or the flash maybe i would like that very much and because again it means getting to see john wesley ship more and who doesn't love john yeah. wesley ship exactly it's it's funny in the whole scene with the tech people where they're like oh we gotta understand what's happening with the red skies and he comes through in a blue portal to warn them about a bad thing happening i'm like oh it's like justice league but not shitty <laughs> yeah, it's like that scene in Batman v Superman, except it makes sense. Yeah, only it has a payoff. It's not just happening out of nowhere. Yeah, it actually has a payoff. Just just one of many kind of self-referential things they do that I really enjoyed. Yeah, there's so much good shit in this. But yeah, he, he kind of gets, uh, you know, away. And uh, the, the monitor just filled with dickery the whole time, where it's like, all right, I'm sending your 90s flash away. All right, you figured me out. It looks like you're going to beat me. Well, guess what? D- do over. Mulligan, I'm taking your victory away. I'm taking the book. I'm giving it back to him. Do over. You didn't win. Fuck you. Yeah, g- giving it back to John Deegan and telling him to think bigger. Mm-hmm. And doing that, he does think bigger, and it leads into the third part where we see him create a world where he is Superman. And quite literally, he's the black-suited Superman in a very injustice-like world. Very injustice. And in fact, it's even more interesting, too, because it's like, oh, oh, but he's doing this in the Prime Universe, and the Prime Universe doesn't have a Supergirl or a Superman, so this is all new to them yeah and uh what was what was really cool is that he turns oliver and and uh barry back into themselves but he turns them into the trigger twins yes who are two very which is a real which is a big pool big deep pool this is like a grant morrison level pool <laughs> there, there was technically two trigger twins uh there was the wild west versions of the trigger twins mm-hmm back when, you know, DC Comics was doing Western comics. And then there was the newer version who, like, also died and came back during Blackest Night and a bunch of other stuff. But, yeah, it's a fun, deep pull to be like, all right, we got to make them depowered. What do we do? Oh, we'll turn them into these guys. 
Yeah, and I, I actually like their scene with Superman because they have to play the bad guy, and it's like it's like we're going to endanger these children so we can escape Superman because we can't fight him directly. I thought that was really smart, and it's like if you're going to be the hero, you want to be John. You have to save these people. It's a very, it's a very slick scene because it shows that they are smart, like you're saying, and that they're able to be like, all right, what well, what do the villains we fight normally do in this situation? Yeah, and I like that it also kind of has an effect on Barry as well. Like, he, he, he's kind of sick that he had to endanger people in order to sort of escape. Yeah, he doesn't like it, you know. Being being even kind of bad disagrees with him on a vast level. Yeah, um, but yeah, we get to see, like, this world that John's created where he's, uh, he's set up a sort of fortress in, in Star Labs that's run by John Diggle and Alex Danvers. Said. Yeah, oh, yeah, got to reuse that set. It just put, like, Superman symbols on everything. There you go. Now it's a brand new <laughs> building. <laughs> and I, 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 I should actually go back and look and see if it's still damaged. Like, you know how it has the damage oh, from, yeah. like, the first... I have to, I'll have to go back and see that, because if it hasn't, they then they have made a model where it's undamaged, so they could just replace it, but they won't. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I like, too, you know, obviously, uh, Kara, she's a prisoner in the pipeline. They finally, finally explain this crossover if there were bathrooms in the pipeline. Yes, <laughs> yes, there were. They weren't locking people up without bathrooms. <laughs> I, I actually really like that scene where like um where was it in part two that that happened part or part one, one when they locked them up yeah and where where since barry is the green arrow he has to like dislocate his thumb to like reach in and the lady's thumb was just like hanging off i thought that was pretty cool how do you do this and how he says oh yeah kg beast taught me that one yeah yeah and and, and then as well as that like how uh, Oliver has to learn how to phase through stuff, and he's, like, so happy he can phase now. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a nice bit of, like, oh, we have to learn each other's skills and powers if we want to survive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes them resourceful, and maybe they don't need that team that keeps hampering them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to build up the drama. I appreciated that. Yeah. Most definitely. But, yeah, so they have to fight evil superman which obviously if they gotta fight an evil superman they should recruit the superman they know and love but to do that they gotta go to the bad guy bar to find ramon yeah yeah and someone pointed this out to me and i i I actually kind of like every alternate earth that we've seen cisco ramon and he's rich or like powerful yeah (laughs) i never thought of that you're absolutely right wow he's he's just phoning it in in the prime universe yeah, he's not living up to his potential. Every other universe, he's a rich, you know, mob boss or like businessman or something. I mean, that vibe power is so goddamn good. You can see the future. You can get in anywhere. It's, it's your morality that's holding you back. If you didn't have that, you'd be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that scene with the bar because we get obviously um, our one uh, ga- cameo. Yeah, yeah, one Legends carry Gary, who is the same in this universe as he is in the Legends universe, only this time he works in a bar. <laughs> and, and, and what is it? And he loves super villains instead of superheroes. Yeah, they're his legends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, in case you didn't know, I'm from the Legends show. I'm from the Legends show. Also, Jimmy Olsen got to be here, too. Yeah, oh, and how do they make Jimmy Olsen evil? Ah, there's... Give him a little shitty mustache. <laughs> little shitty mu- some ripped jeans. And oh my god, I laughed so hard at this. I'm Superman's worst pal, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's so great that they worked. <laughs> I'm Superman's worst pal. And then Jimmy beats the shit out of them. 
Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty good. That was funny. That was really good. I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, so they got to recruit Superman for help on this one, and uh, yeah, so so we get a big good Kryptonian versus evil Kryptonian fight in a city mm -hmm. where no one dies and nothing gets too wrecked. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously budget constraints and everything. But the fight we did get was actually really cool. And I like that one woman when they were like fighting. She's like, "Oh no, it's Bizarro." That's funny. Again, too. Obviously, I'm making references to Man of Steel. You can't tell me when Evil Superman said, "I want to break your neck." What that was a <laughs> reference to? Uh, that was his go-to move against Barry. Which I don't understand why Barry didn't just phase out of the the headlock. Drama. Yeah, I suppose so. Barry often forgets that he has powers. He forgets he can throw lightning. He forgets he can create doubles of himself. <laughs> he often forgets his amazing powers. Yeah. Also, that the scene where they take Cisco to um, the Fortress of Solitude to like fight recruit Superman. I like that. Like Superman thought that because of like the 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 Elseworld shenanigans that that Cisco was Kara. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> For like a second, I thought that was pretty funny. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great little jokes. I'm like, man, the actor who plays Superman is so good. He's great in both roles, yeah, as the evil Superman and the good Superman. You could tell he was having fun playing evil Superman, too, because he got to unwind and make a bunch of acting choices that he probably wouldn't have been allowed to do as regular Superman. Yeah, he's over the top and, and grandiose and everything. And as Clark and as Superman, he's a little corny, but in all the best ways possible. He he embodies the Boy Scout mentality. Yeah, yeah. And when it's time to fight, you believe that too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that fight was good. We got to see uh, like Martian Manhunter and all that kind of show up, uh, which was actually nice because Martian Manhunter has been kind of absent. Like the the CGI Martian Manhunter has been absent from the Supergirl uh, series for a while now. Again, see, I don't watch Supergirl, so I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot Martian Manhunter's in this, and oh yeah, this is my first time seeing the Brainiac of this universe, too. Yeah, it's quite a sight, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite a sight. I'm like, ooh, ooh, I like you're here, but ooh, you look you look like a rejected Henson project. That's the thing. I That was really strange that they decided to do that, because on the Supergirl show, I guess, like, because maybe people might not watch that, and they need to make it clear that he is Brainiac, but in the Supergirl show, he uses, like, a, an image inducer that's just, like, the actor right. without the makeup on. He had that at the end, and for a second, like, who the yeah. fuck is this guy? I'm like, oh, it's Brainiac, but he's got a thing. Yeah, and, and, like, he wears that costume with the Legion ring and everything, so I'm like, why didn't they just do that? Why do they have to make you look like that weirdo that he is? For, for people like me who don't normally watch <laughs> Supergirl and need to be reminded that Brainiac is a thing. I don't know why they didn't just make him green. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, why are you a weird off-shade of blue? Because green would look way better. Yeah, blue with, like, the, the blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, if you were green, that would be, like, half the problems taken away. But, yeah, that was that was surprising. I didn't care, though. I was just happy they were here and that they were helping out. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool to see them finally helping out. A bit weird that John was helping out since his whole arc in, in, uh, in Supergirl has been, like, sort of leaving that life behind and becoming, uh, sort of trying to become the private investigator John Jones. Oh. Well, hey, you can get the extenuating else world circumstances, extenuating <laughs> yes, end of the worldness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was also a really like kind of like good line between him and Superman, where they like sort of put their problems because they've got problems uh, from when they appeared together in the the Supergirl episodes uh, aside to just work together. 
Yeah, I feel like if you watched Supergirl, you would actually have appreciated this crossover way more. It felt like she had more emotional skin in the game because obviously she gets all the stuff with her sister. Superman gets all <laughs> the stuff with Lois and then again with evil Superman. Like even Oliver gets some stuff to do with like trying to make up with Felicity because I guess they're not together on their show. I don't know. I don't fucking watch Arrow. But yeah, they don't seem to be together. They they, they are. Well, the thing is, I... I... I, I I've been watching Arrow and like he's just come out of prison and like right. because of that Felicity's Felicity's been turned hardcore and everything and and Oliver doesn't like that and mm. yeah <laughs> it, like honestly the Flash had the least skin in the game he really did <laughs> yeah yeah he had almost no reason to be there except for just trying to help out and save the multiverse heck they don't even mention his daughter his daughter doesn't show yeah up. where was she <laughs> exactly it's like hey you know what would have been really great here another speedster. Yeah, that would have kind of helped out. You know who could really have helped out here? Another speedster. You know who would have been fun to see actually take, uh, what is it, Oliver's side and be like, no, that's not my dad. I know my dad. Yeah, I guess maybe she was in the future with Eobard Thorne. I guess, because, you know, that's what they've been theorizing there. Too. But yeah, she's, she is hilariously absent. Almost. You know what it might have been, too? They might have filmed this even before that. Maybe, yeah. They might have filmed this crossover even before they wrote the stuff with the daughter, and maybe that's why Flash has no skin in the game. Because they're like, well, we're further along writing Arrow and Supergirl. We know what their arcs are going to be. We don't know what his arc is going to be. Yeah, I could see that. Could happen. I could be wrong. I could be talking out my ass. I don't know. It just seemed funny that Flash had the, the, the least to lose and the least to gain in all of this. But, uh, oh, something we got to talk about. Uh, the Monitor comes back here, but he's not really the villain anymore. He's just kind of the puppet master, you know, just pushing dominoes and seeing what happens. Yeah, he, he kind of, like, yeah, he reveals that, like, obviously he's, like, testing these heroes and, and seeing if they have what it takes to face the crisis that's coming. And, um, yeah, it's, it's like, him and Oliver that, like, get the most time together. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he basically he says, you know, I, I looked into the book, I saw the future, if Barry and Supergirl uh, run around mm -hmm. the world a la Christopher Reeve Superman to stop the villain and save the day, they're going to die. And I really want to stop that from happening. And while they're very vague about it, they seek to imply that uh, Oliver traded his life for theirs. Yeah. The thing with, like, the running around the Earth, like, I'm like, how will that, like, hurt? Barry, because like they say, like oh, he's he's going to be running Mach seven or something, and he's going to disintegrate. I'm like, Barry's run faster than the speed of light. Yeah, also <laughs> he's gone back in time with this. Yeah, so, also, also isn't that his thing, running fast? Yeah, yeah. So like, I can understand that's like because that's ha that's what happened in Infinite in Crisis of Infinite Earth. He ran so fast that like, he disintegrated and everything. And but yeah, like you've set up already that like he can run that fast. So you need some something a little bit else uh, even supergirl they could have put some jargon in there to be like oh to fly that fast would expend all the yellow sun radiation she has in her which means she would be rendered human and disintegrate if she did yeah yeah something like that yeah and yeah when she becomes human going at that speed it would just like blow her up or something but it's like with the flash it's like but isn't his body like supposed to be able to do this and shouldn't he have yeah. like, a fairly sizable reserve of speed force energy to be able to do this it it is what it is they, they wanted to pay homage to christopher reeves and spinning the world back yeah <laughs> was what they wanted to do. and hey that also leads to another great uh foreshadowed moment where lois is like oh what if i fall i know you'll catch me and then she falls in the thing and superman catches her 
that was a really cool scene they actually what? used like proper like slow-mo and everything it wasn't like like footage that was just slowed down it was like proper slow-mo which is really cool yeah i like that it was a very very fun little scene there but yeah oliver seeks to imply that he may have sacrificed himself to save them because we know that pretty much the bulk of this was leading up to uh having a crisis on infinite earth event uh next year in the fall sometime mm -hmm. so so just in time for fall sweeps <laughs> yeah yeah and this is where like my theory comes in was like the next po depending on how they time it and everything the next season of arrow or maybe even this current season will be the last season yeah i mean and like the the finale of arrow will be crisis of infinite earths where barry uh, where oliver dies that would be pretty goddamn great and the fact is they basically they basically seem to be pointing to it they basically same mm -hmm. seem to be saying hey Stephen Amell wants to do other things. This show's been going on longer than any of the other CW shows. We only have so much material left. We can only keep this guy's story going for so long. Yeah, I would like, like, I hope, well, obviously we don't know anything about Crisis of Infinite Earths yet, but I hope that it's not just, like, a three-part event. This needs to be, like, its own mini-series where it's, oh, like, yeah. five or six episodes. And, like, just cut back the seasons of, like, all the shows mm -hmm. so you can have that budget to do it. It it also needs to be everyone. You need to get the mm -hmm. you need to get the legends involved. Fuck it, you need to get Black Lightning involved, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, that's the thing. You could get literally everything involved. Again, if it, if you're going to say Infinite Earths, it needs to be Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Heck, you, you got John Wesley's ship as the 90s Flash. That's a good place to start. Hey, can can we get the Smallville Superman back? It just has well, to be a cameo. That's all it needs to be. It's funny. I, I follow the guy who played uh, Lionel Luther on Twitter, and he's like, he saw the ending, and he's like, he's like "Hey guys, I, I won't cut my hair, and I've got that long coat. You know, and bring Lionel Luther back, because because Lionel Luther in 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 the final seasons of of um Smallville was like multiverse hopping and everything." Again, that too. He, you got it. <laughs> he only needs to show up for a scene. We just need one actor from Smallville to be like, "Yep, here we go. The big the, the big multiple universes." Yeah. You could say we kind of got that already because the Swarville Green Arrow was at the start of the the, the episode. <laughs> Clearly dead, but yeah, that's that that's one. That's one. <laughs> also, they kind of throw a bone to the fans too to be like, yeah, hey, you know, John Diggle in the '90s universe actually was Green Lantern. There you go. <laughs> I said this on Twitter, and lots of people have thought it was really funny. It's like, what if like earth 90 flash is just like really racist and thought that like <laughs> they were the same that, oh he's, he's the black guy is obviously john stewart yep. that, that'd be pretty cool though it'd get, actually give something for that actor to do yeah who everyone seems to like and even when i tried to suffer through the first season of arrow he was the one guy i liked i i like though that he's not that that he doesn't have that stupid costume he had that one time you know that oh. shitty helmet he doesn't have that anymore he doesn't have that anymore oh yeah it looked like a bad bargain basement magneto yeah, yeah, he doesn't wear that anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Elseworld, it was good. Could have been a little better. I feel that the TV shows have now learned what the comics have learned, and that is, hey, we can have a whole event that exists solely just to hype other events that we're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, at the end of this, like, the end of the third part of the crossover, like, kind of teases a possible Superman show. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, because they're going Cause, off to Argus to try and have a kid. 
they're going off to Argus, they've gotten married, and Lois is pregnant. And I think maybe they already did the Lois is pregnant thing is because the actual actress who plays Lois is pregnant. Oh, is she really? Well, hey, if we get John Kent somehow, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool if they did that. It doesn't even have to be a whole show. Five-episode uh, five miniseries. Yeah, and and that that's the cool thing about Crisis of the Infinite Earth. If they want, they can say, "Ah, here's a world where there is a John Kent, and we'll just cast some kid actor." That's fine too. And he shows up. And it's like, "Hello, I'm John Kent from the future." Yeah, that'll be cool. Do you like my hoodie? Do you like my Superman hoodie? <laughs> I like it very much, John Kent. I would like to buy it, but for some reason, DC Comics won't let me buy it. <laughs> they won't sell it. They, they won't sell me your damn hoodie. Give me your damn they, they don't want. They would don't want billions of dollars. They're afraid of money. Apparently, also we're changing your costume now and getting rid of the hoodie. <laughs> I haven't actually read that book yet. This week. I, I saved that for last. I'm like, you know what? I, I will let me get through all of this and then I'll read that. Yeah, people got mad over nothing. Ah, did they really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. I mean, people always do. But I mean, that's a thing. But yeah, do, do we have any other thoughts on Elseworld? I mean, really, all I can say now is like, okay, bring on Crisis and Infinite Earths. <laughs> yeah, chop, chop, hurry up. Yeah, hurry up. Man, <laughs> I, I know I say this every crossover, but did you ever think we would at this be at this point where the CW TV universe has a more complex, layered, more better realized version of the dc comic universe than the movies do no i didn't especially when you when you think back and you think of like like season one of like arrow and flash and like how like compared to like current seasons they're so droll and boring and like crappy whereas like that was like oh we got flash fighting you know savitar and yeah. going through time and all that sort of stuff and arrow is kind of sort of good but yeah, it's kind of riding that line. They're doing but the silencer arrow. and all that. Yeah, yeah, but still Arrow. But still Arrow because, you know, hey, we need to try and make something for the fans who liked the show for what it was. We just can't make it more like The Flash. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool. And it, it's, it's even better because it's like a, these. this is doing better than, like, those goddamn DC Universe original shows like yeah. Titans and stuff. Like it's much better than that, and I, and that's the thing. Like those originals, that's their sole purpose to do this. Whereas these are like network shows where they have all these other different shows yeah. to focus on as well. How, and what the hell? How weird is it that the network shows get it better, and that the network shows are literally this close to having a full-on official Justice League? In fact, for Crisis oh, on yeah. Infinite Earths, that needs to be the shot. You get everybody back together and go. What are we? We're the Justice League. Yeah, I, I think, I seriously think that is what they're building to. Yep. That together. They, 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 they can do that now. And they can officially say, yep, together we are the Justice League. Yeah. And then they get everyone together and they do the big final push against whatever the villain is. What do you think the villain is going to be? I don't think they can use An Brainiac because... Anti-Monitor. Anti See, Anti-Monitor makes sense because we just learned who the Monitor was. And it's like, oh, well, who's that? Oh, he's the Anti-Me. He's got all my powers, but he's actually evil. Yeah, I think we're going to have the Anti-Monitor because all you need to do is get, like, the Monitor costume and put a robot head on it. <laughs> That's all you need to do. It, it is really all you need. I was going to say, do you think they would use the Anti-Monitor or do you think he's, like, earmarked for something else? Probably not. The movies are never going to get to the fucking Anti-Monitor. Yeah, I think they'll use him. I think maybe uh, maybe Alexander Luthor might play a part in it. That would be cool. I was also thinking Empirex. I know that was, like, a throwaway <laughs> thing from, like, uh, Legends of Tomorrow season one when it was bad. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, they yeah they did mention the Imperics War. As like a throwaway thing, like you're never gonna fucking do in Parics. Don't say that shitty season one. <laughs> never say never. Never yeah. say never. Now. <laughs> I never thought they'd do the goddamn Dominators, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I I really don't know who it could be. It could be like any of them. Could be Time Trapper. Could be literally anything is on the table. I reckon. Barbatos. Oh, God. <laughs> now, you kind of need Batman for that. No. Hey, we have a Batwoman now. Just move all the stuff and say, yeah. Kate did it. Oh, oh. So, but then you get into the Arrow thing where they're, yeah. like, pulling all these things and giving it to uh, some Someone. other character. I don't like that. Where it's like, let the, it's like, this character has stuff they've done. Let them have their own personality. Yeah. Don't make them poor man's blank. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very interested to see what they're going to be doing with that. Yeah, either way, very excited. It should be super cool. Yeah, and this time involve the legends, please. Yes, get the, you gotta get because you gotta get your comedy relief in there, and that's what they can be. <laughs> I, I I really want to see Mick Rory Heatwave meet Batwoman. Hey, sugar tits, what's up? I just want to see more of Mick Rory. That's why I wanted that show that, like, in the legends this week, they like tease like, oh, he teamed up with the fairy godmother at one point. Oh yeah, to go rob <laughs> banks. Such a cool, sh- yeah, cool show. Yeah, she became like his Captain Gold. Yeah, it's like, hey, where did Rory go? Oh yeah, the fairy godmother glommed onto him. <laughs> now they're partners <laughs> in crime. I'm like, that's a fucking show. Rory and the godmother <laughs> coming this fall to Fox. <laughs> Man, th- that was fun too because that was basically like, okay, this is this might as well be another like uh, like spinoff showcase. Like, hey, what could the show potentially be like? It could be like this. Yeah, all these like weird tropes from like of like, oh, it's like a like a seventies kind of sexist spy thriller, like Charlie like Charlie's Angel, or it's like like one of those eighties like Pop like shows. action shows and uh, all that sort of stuff. That was such a fun episode. It, see, that's why Legends is great now because they just say fuck it and like let's do a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah, and they 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 also mentioned the the uh, the the annual crossover. It's like, oh, it's the annual crossover. Ah, oh, hard pass. And then it becomes self-aware like that, where they're like, oh yeah, we got missed calls from Supergirl, Flash, and Green Arrow. Oh, sounds like the annual crossover. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we we fought Nazis last season, and one of us died, so we're good. <laughs> we're, we'll have fun magic adventures over here, guys. <laughs> Also, what a weird genre stew Legends of Tomorrow has come become to where it's magic yeah. and science fiction time travel and sometimes space, but it all works and it's all great. It, it all works because, like, they, they're like, fuck it. They, they're like, we're just going to have fun. They're self-aware of it. Oh, I like, too, the actress who played Gideon got to show up here and actually hang out and not just be a talking head. I like when she shows up every now and then. I'm like, just just make her a permanent member of the of the team. Just make her a goddamn. She's she's one of the only ones who's been around since season one, so she might as well give her a yeah. goddamn body to hang out. Exactly. Do do what they did in Mass Effect and be like, hey, we built you a badass robot body. Yeah, and then Mick can try and fall in love with her. <laughs> try and fall in love with the robot. There you go. I do not understand this thing called love. I am a robot. <laughs> beep boop. Beep boop. <laughs> also hey here's something uh please explain to or at least please make reference to it when you do infinite crisis so the gideon that's on the wave rider and there's a gideon in the time shelter in the flash that reverse flash was using 
we've never mentioned the fact that there's two different Gideons. Is that is 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 that like Siri in the future? Does everyone have a Gideon? We that, that's that, that's what I I I think. Like like it's like an AI, and it's like you can change the AI, but they like he's got like the stock standard one, which is called Gideon, and he just right. used that one. The Wave Rider just happened to have the same one as well. Right, because, like, the one only other time, again, in Season 1, uh, hilariously enough, the same episode where they mention Imperiax, uh, they go on another time ship, the only time we've ever other been on another time ship, and there is an AI, but it's not a Gideon, it's got another name. And, in fact, they replaced Gideon with, like, a shitty one, too, when it was funny. So there are clearly other models. Yeah, it's it's very strange. All you need is like something like, oh, the Reverse Flash stole a copy of Gideon or something. Or that's what I wanted. Or I'm like, or because again, we don't know at what point in time Reverse Flash came from. Did he did he steal that Gideon from some point in the far future and bring it back with him? So like again, I, I I'm amazed we're this many seasons deep and they've never tried to square that circle or talk about that. No, oh, hey, maybe they're saving it for something. Hey. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow's writer's room. Have your people call my people, and by my people, I mean me. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll crush this once and for all. Once and for they're, they're the only CW writer's room I actually follow, because they're the only ones I actually care what they have to say. Yeah, and they're a lot of fun as well. They are. I, re I would really, really love to talk to them at some point, but there's no, like, superstar, like, out in front one where I'm like, okay, when when did you know the show had to change? When did you save it by saying, okay, it just needs to be a comedy now? Yeah, I remember not too long ago, I think it was the actor who played Mick actually did, like, an Instagram post like that. It's like, oh, we, we realized, like, after season one, we should just, like, you know, say fuck it and just, like, do what we wanted and, and you know be meta and be fun and and all that because it wasn't we weren't having fun ourselves well it didn't start right away because like season one is deathly serious it's all about rip hunter mm -hmm. it's really stupid season two they start wearing more costumes and making more use of like time travel in general but it's still kind of dumb and there's still a lot of bad writing in there and a lot of melodrama it's not really till the end of season two beginning of season mm -hmm. three does it start being like okay we're a comedy now we're just going to be funny and then every season it gets more meta and more comedic yeah and it's it wasn't until really like like some of the jsa members started sort of showing up and then we got like nate on the team and all that sort of stuff and like the firestorms kind of went away and it became yeah. more and more funny yeah yeah it really did and now there's puppets yeah seeing puppets now there's but again i would watch the puppet show <laughs> <laughs> I got no problem with that. But yeah, that that was Elseworlds, everyone, and it was pretty goddamn cool. It was cool. It was cool. Could have been a little better, but again, I won't hold too much against it, because I'm actually interested in the Batwoman show, and I'm really goddamn interested in Infinite Crisis. Mmm, definitely. And you could tell they were stoked about it, too, because they showed the title card. They're like, Infinite Crisis next year. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they've got it all planned out. They they were basically DX cross-chopping to be like, hey, hey, movies, <laughs> hey, movies, what's that? You got Aquaman coming out, followed by uh, whatever. Hey, we're doing Infinite Crisis on TV. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, what, what are you doing? Get on our level. Get on the level of CW <laughs> television, you multi-million dollar <laughs> film franchise. <laughs> why, why can't you be as good as us? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm just sure there must be some, like, Warner Brothers film executives who just, like, hit their head off the wall. Why do they make it look so easy? 
I, you know what it is. I think it's like a Philip exec who's like signed off on it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we were, we no one cares, it gives a shit about any of this sort of shit. And then it's like everyone watches it and just like fucking loves it, and he's like, God damn it, yeah, yeah, like, again, like someone who's completely dismissive of the television arm. Yeah, sure, do yeah. infinite. Oh yeah, have your monitors and everything. Oh yeah, have a Superman on TV. We don't care. The movies are where it's at. That's where the money is. That's where people are gonna be. Oh yeah. We, oh, we lost our Batman. Oh, we lost our Superman. Man to oh our 300 million dollar movie underperformed fuck oh everything is hinging on aquaman what yeah oh my god what kind of world are we in where everything hinges on aquaman <laughs> which matt has seen yet and i haven't i'll be trying to make a point to see it over the holidays so again if if we don't do it right when we come back don't be shocked, but we will uh, after the New Year's. I think I think I want to do uh, a special commentary, which again I got I got to actually send the letter about that special commentary. I haven't done it yet. This has been like two years yeah. in the making, <laughs> but I keep forgetting I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess from Elseworlds we can finally transition on over into the other big thing we saw this week, and the other thing I know people are absolutely stoked, excited about, and that is Into the Spider Verse, the brand new animated movie from sony yeah uh how do we talk about this it's hard uh, isn't spoilers it? spoilers because it's yeah is it is it by the time it, everyone would have seen or most people would have seen it by the time this this releases right this is going up wednesday so yes they've had all weekend and a few other days okay matinees. okay yeah but i guess spoilers anyway but yeah it's 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 a fucking good film it is, and it's beautiful. Like just from a general yeah. animation point of view, like it's the best animated movie I've seen all year. Like just full stop, no doubt about it. Nothing touched this one. Mm-hmm. And just so no, no, nothing. It's and like it's so artistic. The, the, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was just about to say. It's so artistic. It's probably the best Spider-Man film since like the first Rami film. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I know a lot of people are saying it's better than Homecoming. I don't know if I'm quite ready to say it's better than Homecoming yet, but mm, it might be better than Homecoming. In a lot of places, it's, it's better than Homecoming. Yeah. In fact, it does some things that I never even thought it would do. It's it's like, I, I'm not going to call it 100% faithful retelling of Miles Morales' origin, but it boils it down to its most essential best parts and then it remixes and invents new stuff that's so good, I wish the comics did it. Yeah, it, it thinks about things that, like, the comics haven't thought about oh. in Miles's, uh kind of long history and, and his story that's been told so far. But, yeah, it, it think, and it's things that, like, you would think, like, oh, why haven't the comics thought about that? There's a moment very early on in the movie where I slap my head and go, that's so fucking smart. Why hasn't anyone in the comics done this? It's Miles on his way to school, the Vision Academy, because he won a lottery, like in that movie mm -hmm. Waiting for Superman, which they mention in this movie as well, that he won a lottery to go to a better school in a nicer part of town. He passes his old school and his old mm -hmm. friends, who he doesn't get to see anymore because he's going to the hoity-toity rich school. And I'm like... That's so clever. Why has no one in the comics talked about Miles' old friends? He would had to have had old friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, we get to see them briefly, and we, I don't think we see them at all again after that. Um, yeah, and, yeah, we get to see, like, like Miles had a life. Miles 
was popular. Yeah, and then it also adds to this feeling that, you know, he feels like a sellout. He feels like an Uncle mm. Tom because in trying to better himself and chase a better education, he's had to leave his neighborhood. And I'm like, again, why the fuck have the comics not touched on this yet? That's so much great potential for story that he feels like a fake and feels like a sellout and he feels wrong so that when he takes up the Spider-Man mantle when his world's Peter Parker dies, it amplifies those feelings of feeling like a fake and mm -hmm. feeling like a sellout. Yeah, yeah, feeling like a fraud and everything. And yeah, it's it. that's like a big part of the movie, like, like sort of him overcoming that and... Uh, again, they sort of emphasize it throughout the movie, getting back up. Yes, getting back is a huge chunk of it. Uh, the other big on-running theme of it is tied very closely to, you know, uh, Stan Lee's original conceptual stuff for Spider-Man, and that is he wears a full mask and a full bodysuit because anybody can be Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man isn't just one person, it's everyone. Every everyone can be Spider-Man, everyone sees themselves in Spider-Man. In fact, uh, they basically restage, you know, when that world's Peter Parker dies, you know, the funeral stuff and Aunt May and Mary Jane talking to the public and everyone wearing the mask and everything. It takes the best stuff from uh, the original Ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales run and it remixes this into another movie. So we basically get a full origin in the first half of the movie before we yeah. even get any of the multiversal Spider-Man stuff. I was genuinely shocked how good they told his origin before they even got to like the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, and like that's the thing. Like you would think that that oh th this movie is going to be like overstuffed because obviously we have to introduce the world to like Miles Morales, who might not know like normal general people might not know that he's actually a real comic char character. That was my you have to introduce you have to in introduce him, but then the movie is also based around all the Spider Verse stuff. So then you got to explain the Spider Verse stuff and who all these other Spider people are, and it it works. It, it, it all works. In fact, one of the best running gags in the movie is explaining who the other Spider-Man are. It's like, okay, and, yeah. and now we flip through an actual comic page. In in some uh, cases... I, really I like, I love that. I love that like, with the comics, and it had, like, the actual writer's names who wrote that particular comic or, or something in there. That was cool. That was... That was fucking G Jason Latour, who's obviously one of yep. the driving forces between Spider-Gwen. He said, you know, people talked constant shit about me in my Spider-Gwen run. Well, now my name is on a comic in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you can file all your complaints under D for D's nuts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, look, let's talk about like the Spider-Verse stuff, because that's like the... The, the big plot of the movie where uh, we have Kingpin, who looks amazing as well. Yeah. I love the design of Kingpin. A, uh, a literal, man. like, brick shithouse of a man. Oh, yeah. Um, Voiced wonderfully by Liev Shriver, who I have been keeping yeah. the torch for forever. He's an excellent Kingpin here. Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't realize how, outside of, like, the main Spider-People, how stacked the cast was oh, for this yeah. film. We have, like, we have like Chris Pine voicing Miles' Spider-Man. Oscar Isaac is in the film. Uh, all these, like... Good, like uh, Catherine Hahn as the Doc Ock and all that. It's a great fucking cast of this film. Uh, Haley Steinfeld becoming my celebrity crush once again. Remember, she was the girl who was really awesome in True Grit, then fell off the fucking face of the earth before coming back and doing shitty pop music, but is now rebuilding her acting career, and she's Gwen in this. Yeah, she's got two good movies out this year, apparently Bumblebee and this. Yeah, I'm hearing good things about Bumblebee too, and they're like, yeah, friggin', you know, Haley Steinfeld's back, everyone. She's done with that shitty pop star phase. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, the story is like, uh, Wilson Fisk is like, 
funding this Alchemex experiment to tap into other universes. And he's doing that because he wants to get back his wife, Vanessa, and their son, Richard. Yes, and I, I, I called that right off. I'm like, well, why the fuck is the Kingpin interested in other dimensions? Is he trying to rob other Earths? And I'm like, oh... Oh no, his family's dead, isn't it? He he killed them inadvertently, didn't he? Yep. Okay, that's a good ass yep. motivation and a very kingpin motivation too. He killed them inadvertently. Blame Spider Man for their deaths. And then history repeats itself again, where it's like, dude, dude, the problem is you. <laughs> but no, kingpin can never admit the problem is him, and that's what makes him such a fascinating, tragic character. Yeah, yeah, and um, we we get a great great cast of like villains surrounding him. We've got um, uh, Aaron Davis as uh, the Prowler, who's actually voiced by Malashala Ali, the guy who played Cottonmouth I knew in, in Luke Cage. God, he's good in this, and also the design on that Prowler is amazing. Yeah. That's better than anything in the comics. He's basically got lightsabers on his hands and feet. I'm like, why? Why is and- comic Prowler not this cool? <laughs> And he's scary. Very. Very scary. I, I, I really liked his design in this. We get uh, yeah, we get Doc Ock, uh, the, the female version of Doc the Ock. Lady Doc Ock, which is a reference to alternate universes, but also to the 90s, like Clone Saga era, where there was a Lady Doc Ock. Yeah, she, she's really awesome in this. We got uh, a scorpion who's quite literally like half a scorpion he's a, like he's hispanic too which is a nice reference to the latter day mm-hmm. ultimate spider-man that miles fought who was a cartel enforcer yeah we got tombstone obviously as as uh kingpins enforcer uh, uh also, what also guy with guns because obviously spider-man noir uses guns so he <laughs> needs a villain who will also fight with guns so it's spare <laughs> later in the movie uh who else did we get we go oh we got a uh, green goblin yeah yeah, uh, who's the ultimate Green Goblin, who's voiced by one of the guys from Lonely Island. Really? Holy shit, I didn't yeah. catch that, but yeah, wow, holy stacked cast. Yeah, and a g- great, great cast of villains, and then obviously we got the Spider-People. Yeah, they, they very effortlessly built that team of villains, and I'm like, why is there so many villains? Oh, because we have so many heroes, everyone needs a dance partner for the end of the movie to fight with. Yep, yep, and they sure do fight. Yeah, we got the Spider-Man Noir, voiced by Nick Cage, who is hamming it up in all the best ways. Oh, God, he's doing, like, his best, like, 1940s impression. Ah, box those Nazis, see? I gotta box them. All right, now, sometimes I light matches so I can burn down to my fingertips just so I can feel something. (laughs) (laughs) God damn, he's good. We got, uh, what is it, John Mulaney, the hilarious stand-up John Mulaney as the cartoony Spider-Ham, who's basically the rocket (laughs) rack. Coon of this Spider-Man Avengers team. Uh, I I loved him, and I loved that he played by cartoon rules as well. He's constantly like pulling out like hammers and magnets and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, we obviously got uh, Gwen Stacy, who's from a different Earth as well, um, and uh, yeah, Penny Parker, the uh, the Evangelion uh, Spider Girl. <laughs> anime spider girl which i like this because this movie actually gets around a big problem i had with web warriors as a series and that is they picked their spider people very well as to make sure when the big fight happened everyone wasn't just doing the same thing over and over again you got guy with guns girl with robot cartoon Mm -hmm. with cartoon powers miles who can turn invisible and shock people and i'm like okay you've actually found enough variety in your spider-man 
Yeah, yeah. And um, to top it off, we obviously got Spider-Man from a different universe. It's all uh, broken down and shitty. <laughs> yeah, he's got a gut and everything. And I, I like the Spider-Man that um, we first saw in, in Miles' universe. When when he pulled the mask off and he's blonde, I'm thinking, oh, is this like that universe where like Flash Thompson became Spider-Man? He's called Peter, and again, it, yeah. it's, it's a universe like the Ultimate Universe. It's it's a couple lines removed in the Rick and, in on yeah. the Rick and Morty scale, where it's similar but not all the way. Yeah, it's the it's the it, yeah, it's the the Ultimate Universe, but not. It's it's Ultimate 2.0 is what it is. It's yeah. But what's that thing again? Rick and Morty makes this joke about how oh, it's off the coaxial curve of universes that if you go in this direction, they go from more similar to less similar. It's it's real science broken down to cartoon comedy <laughs> yeah 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 well, the whole cast is is great and i i really like this older spider-man who's been who we find who's been spider-man for like 20 odd years and you know he just keeps fighting and he's he's lazy now and he's, he's broken up with mj and and everything yeah yeah and aunt may in this film is really great as well she she, she's basically the alfred of this yeah i thought is amazing and i thought it was so adorable and so heartwarming that all these lost spider people in new york in other universes that they don't understand where do they go first for help they go to aunt may's house Good Aunt May, who has a who has a bat cave in the garden shed. Who has a friggin' spider bat cave, <laughs> complete with costumes under glass, which are themselves yeah. about a dozen references to costumes. Oh yeah, all those are really great. All these are from issues. All of these are worth a Google. <laughs> and man, you know, talk about another moment that is so goddamn good in this movie and so good in this origin story for Miles. I wish they stole it when he finally figures out, yes, I want to be Spider-Man. I'm ready to take that leap of faith. Instead of having Nick Fury give him a costume, which was his origin, he spray paints an old Spider-Man suit and literally remixes it and turns it into his own. Yeah, and and they actually build on that as well. It's like, oh, he is like an artist. He yeah. he he does this sort of stuff, so he would do that. It's it's a new flair that they gave Miles in this movie that he doesn't have in the comics. Because I feel writers in the comics are never sure when writing Miles. They're like, well, is he a boy genius? Is he like smart, like Peter was smart at his age, or is he more like blue collar and more everyman? Here, I like it. They're like, no, no, no. He's smart but not like technical smart with like science and numbers and everything he's artistic smart so like he's smart from the other side of it and yeah like turning him into a graffiti artist was a really inspired move ultimately and it leads to a really powerful scene where he finally takes the dive in the new costume and they play that song uh, hello danger which i'm not gonna lie i've been banging that song a bunch recently after seeing the movie <laughs> That, that that was that was a really great scene you know seeing him swing through the city for like the first time on his own and everything i thought that was really cool it's really strong where i'm like i, I was like sitting in the theater I'm like god damn this is fucking sweet and it's made even better by just like how like on a technical level the movie is like the animation like the style they did it in and everything it it fits it fits so well not just one style multiple styles because the main universe is like this kind of like 3d like pixarish render of like what comics look like and then they put on top that like this almost andy warhol s pop punk rock kind of new wave art on top yeah because like panels show up and then like characters read comics and they look like they did back then 
yeah that that was probably my favorite detail of it was like when they would do like a close-up of the face and it would go into that sort of like two-tony sort of thing that the comics have you know like all the like little dots of the two-tone i'm like oh that's such a cool detail and it was even better because each of the spider people was done in a different animation style so like obviously spider ham is like looking like a hand-drawn comic that's like 2d looking like a or like, cartoon from warner brothers yeah penny parker is a bit more anime looking all that sort of stuff and and it obviously you got like spider-man noir who's just completely black and white monochromatic moves around like a shadow in an ink blot even he moves differently yeah. than everyone else yeah yeah it's a great great technical achievement like like eye popping like i almost didn't believe yeah. it i'm like how the hell did they do that yeah i actually know how they did that apparently like what they did was they actually animated it all with cg and drew over it oh so it's almost like new age rotoscoping something like that yeah and like they actually drew to the animations which again is probably fucking time consuming as is so and so like to actually do that and actually have it work out is it's amazing and the fact that a studio signed off on this and paid money for this Again, gotta hand it to Sony, who in the span of one year put out the most empty, soulless Spider-Man-related property I've ever seen, and the most full-of-life, artistic Spider-Man thing I've ever seen, ever. It won't happen because, obviously, Venom made shitloads of money, but I really want them to be like, fuck this live-action shit, we'll just do a animated Spider-Man universe, we'll fold yes, Venom and all that into this, and we'll create our own Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's animated. I'm A-okay with this. Again, whatever the people did to make this one, get them all back and pay them whatever they want. Yeah. Well, Sony is trying to, they're trying to patent the animation used in this. I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. And again, come on, Sony. We're, we're just learning to like you again, Sony. Yeah. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. And I mean, again, I'm like, you know, is, is is this a broken clock is right twice a day? Is this throw everything at the wall and something will (laughs) stick? Or is this just, if you hit your head against the wall hard enough, eventually you'll break oil. (laughs) Hey, there was oil behind this wall. I hit it with my head hard enough. <laughs> but yeah, just I mean, just just so much to like about this, and the soundtrack, which is banging. Oh, is it ever? Like, like again, like I'm I'm not like so much knowledgeable about that type of music, but again, damn right when I got home, I bought the soundtrack because I wanted to hear all of that <laughs> over again. It it was a. It, you haven't seen Aquaman yet, but there is this there is like music in Aquaman that does not fit at all. Where and it's it's very similar music to the music that was in this. Oh really? But here it here it fits like completely fits. Does uh does Aquaman get to hear from his favorite band, the White Stripes, again? No, he gets to hear from fucking Pitbull this time. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh. When I think Aquaman, yeah. I don't. And it happens. And it happens in a scene. Where you're like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> okay. Even you say. Uh, yeah, I mean, too, just, you know, I mean, just so much of friggin' Into the Spider-Verse just works. It works on a thematic level. It works on, like, a technical yeah. level. It works on an origin story level. And the thing is, this could have been a nightmare. This could have been, like, another oh, yeah. soulless cash grab. We're just doing this because we want to hold on to some aspect of the rights like Venom was. But again, I think it's the Lord and Miller touch where much like the Lego movie, it's like, hey, you can be uh, like just a like like a uh, 
like a project with corporate synergy and be like, yeah, you know, we need to launch all these different spider characters and do their own thing because, you know, we want to keep this brand alive and profitable for us. You can do that, but there's no reason it has to be bad. There's no reason you can do mm-hmm. that and not have it be an awesome movie. And they mm-hmm. did it. Yeah, yeah. That's what's got me kind of worried for, like, because they'll see, like, obviously the popularity of this and we know how Sony can get, where they're like, we're going to, and I think they're kind of already doing that. We're like, we're going to green light a, a, a Spider Gwen movie. Oh, it's like, green light, yeah. From, yeah, yeah. And then that's going to lead into that. They, they remember back when the, the leaks happened, there was like an all Spider Girl movie called Glass Ceiling or some bullshit. Project Glass Ceiling, which apparently yeah. has been Amy Pascal's like passion project forever. Apparently, she's been trying to make that since like she took the office in the first place where i'm like hey if you can get a team on it that's as good as the team on this one and it looks as good and it's a go for it yeah fucking go for it especially because again they do a great job giving spider gwen story and why she's cool and why you should care about her yeah but see that's my problem i think they'll see like oh it's so popular but they and they'll just like keep green lighting all the like, kind of like what dc have been doing like, like ah fucking zatanna plastic man sure. and just like kind of get ahead of themselves a little bit without really sort of saying what made this movie good what was good about this where's my spider punk joel wants spider punk (laughs) give him spider punk (laughs) did do do you want to talk about the um the the post-credit scene oh there was a post-credit scene i didn't know there was a post-credit scene i'm not gonna tell i'm not gonna tell you about it now (laughs) oh well now you gotta tell i'm just gonna google it when i leave tell me all about it (laughs) 2099 ah of course there which honestly if they couldn't make regular spider-man movies they really should have been doing 2099 anyway and i think 2099 would actually make for a pretty good animated movie yeah and it 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 looks pretty cool it looks pretty cool because yeah i would say 2099 is probably the most popular well-known spider-man who's not peter parker yeah, and the, the the best thing is they do they do it in in that meme where Spider Man's pointing at the other Spider Man. Uh, I've seen I've seen yeah. people retweeting. I'm like, why are people retweeting this? I haven't seen the movie yet. <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, Miguel he travels to that episode of that Spider Man. Um, oh, the '60s show. That that show, and like instead of that spider-man being the impersonator it's like 2099 spider-man so again another reason why this movie is great is <laughs> homage to every era in spider-man yeah oh yeah it does does it ever so that means if we get a sequel we need to see spider-punk and i know we're gonna see a sequel we need to see spider-punk we need to see the toku setsai japanese spider-man with a mega sword <laughs> yes we we need spiders man oh yeah the ma- the guy who's just a bunch of sentient spiders in a spider-man costume <laughs> He can be the villain because he's kind of a villain in Spider-Gitten. Right. We need Lady Fry, or uh, what is it, uh, La- Lady Spider-Woman, the one who's like the steampunk Spider-Woman with the big uh, spider arms and everything who's got like an old Victorian dress. I like her. We need her. Spider- Spider's ma'am, who's Aunt May as Spider-Man, but she's like dressed in like a maid's costume that's like the Spider-Man colors. That's right, I <laughs> Didn't, didn't they tell the actress who plays Aunt May, yeah, you know, there's Spider's Ma'am, that's a thing, and didn't she, like, love that idea? I think there's an interview yeah. out there where some interviewer tells her that that's a character, and she's like, that's awesome, can we do that next? Yeah, yeah, that, that's got to be the second film. 
She's going to be the leader of the Project Glass House. I'm all about Glass ceiling. I'm I'm all about that. No, I like Project Glass House. I like that, too. That that sounds like a super secret Project Glass House. (laughs) Don't don't throw stones around the Glass House, though. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, mean, really, what, what else can you say? I mean... I liked Into the Spider-Verse so much, and I don't say this very much with movies. When it was done, I instantly wanted to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, because as well, it's one of those movies where you're going to get multiple viewings of it because there's, like, so much, like, on screen. You're like, oh, that's a cool reference, and that, like, so much you didn't pick up in in your first viewing. I definitely want to see it again. It's like like an Edgar Wright film where it's like, I bet there's stuff here I didn't even know about. (laughs) There's actually a really cool Edgar Wright, like, um... I wouldn't say cameo, but like a reference where like one of the posters in Times Square is like a, a Shaun of the Dead poster, but it's like, was it um, from Shaun till Dawn or something? No, it's like a from Dust till Dawn sort of remix. Right. Again, alternate universe. So the movies are alternate too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just so much to like about this movie, so much to recommend about it. It's like, hey, you, you might have felt like you had to skip this one because it was animated and it wasn't connected to any of the big ongoing meta stories of all these superhero movies. Don't care. See it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See it and take your kids to see it because your kids are going to fucking love it too. Take your kids to see it, but tell your kids to be quiet. Oh, yeah. You had a really bad experience. Do tell, Matt. Yeah. Uh, those, it, it's school holidays, obviously, because it's Christmas time, but like, because the cinema is filled with kids, but like, yeah, just tell them to, you know, be quiet, you know, no screaming or, you know, talking during quiet scenes or anything, you know, be a bit respectful. It's a public place. It's shocking the amount of parents who do not instill the sh- proper shame in their children to be like, hey, Social norms apply, mm-hmm. you little shit. Yeah, and if that doesn't work, get the extension cord out. <laughs> I think some parents really do just view the, uh, what is it, the, the the movie theater as a babysitter. It's like, well, they talk and act yeah. like shit at home, so, you know, what's the difference here? Well, I'm here, that's the difference. <laughs> I paid to be here. Yeah, I, I need to see this. This is work, I'm writing this off. <laughs> can't you see my little notepad i'm taking notes i don't actually, i don't actually do that i've thought about doing it but i'm like nah i don't need to take notes <laughs> no if if i ever went to a press screening like a professional press screening and other people around me were taking notes i'd be like oh i, I guess I, I'll, I'll just write on this cocktail napkin then. <laughs> I, i'm important i'm supposed to be here I actually got really jealous because uh, some of the other people I work with there actually got to see it in like an early engagement that was just like advertised in the paper. Okay. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. And then obviously Benny, who I work with, who's the comic store, and he he just got flown out to see Aquaman before I came. And I'm like, God damn it. I guess, I guess Joel will just go down to the cinema and wait in line and like everyone else. <laughs> it's, my, it's my own damn fault. I don't live in a, I don't live in a big city. I live in the sticks. <laughs> so even if I got invited to a premiere, I'd have to be like, okay, well, I guess I need a hotel then, or I really need to make plans to go and come back because it's a big long commute <laughs> just to see a movie. <laughs> but yeah, Spider Verse is great. I mean, really, what else can we say about it? It's it, 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 this gets thrown around a lot, but it's a triumph. It's like really a triumph of what it was trying to do. It really was. It was uh, an achievement in every aspect. Yeah. And, and there were so many ways it could have gone wrong. There were so, so many, many, so many ways for it to suck, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. 
and I hope it does mm-hmm. really well, even though I know I think yeah. it has a couple things working against it. Oh, it, time it released and everything, and yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and a lot of people I've talked to didn't actually realize there was another Spider-Man movie coming out, so their, their, their marketing hasn't been great. No, it really hasn't. Coming out in the dead of winter the way it is, next to Aquaman, which is getting a big push, like, heck, even next to fucking mm-hmm. Once Upon a Deadpool, that, you know, cheat lie of a movie. Yeah, which I hope people don't go see. I really hope they don't either. Is the box office in on that? Did that open this week? I want to say that opened this week. I think I saw something where, like, in its previews, it made, like, 900 grand or something. So, That's like, under a million. So, good. That's what you deserve to get. Fuck you, them. You, you re-released the same movie, you greedy bastards. Yeah, well, not even the same movie. They, like, cut out probably probably all the good shit. Oh, so, so you released a greatly inferior version. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's got Fred Savage in it, so, you know. <laughs> and, and I like Fred Savage, but when was the last time he was a box office draw? <laughs> and never. <laughs> probably during Princess Bride, which is what they're aping off of. Yeah. Now, you know, you know what you should see? Instead of Once Upon a Deadpool, you should go see the Deadpool XXX parody from friend of the show Axel Braun. <laughs> I paid my money because I, like I, I like to patronize my friend's work. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. patronizing all over that work. All aren't you? over that work because I care about the small businessman. <laughs> Do you care enough? <laughs> Actually, le- legitimately though, uh, Deadpool Triple X is fucking hilarious. Actually, because the, the joke is is that it's the real Deadpool from the Deadpool movies who is super excited to be in his own porn parody. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. It is, but he keeps getting cock blocked, and like Axel Braun himself is in the movie. He's a character. <laughs> That's great. It's like Axel, you promised me a scene today. Ah, oh, geez, wait, I'm sorry, you're late. And, like, they have a great joke, too, where, like, one of the actresses comes out and she's the domino from the movie. She's got, like, the vitiligo and everything. Yeah. And Deadpool's like, oh, vitiligo, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, but a lot of fans on the internet are going to be angry, though, aren't they? So they bring out another actress who, like, is basically cosplaying uh, domino from the comics. (laughs) And so it's like, ah, best of both worlds. Let's fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But, but but then Wade doesn't get to, though, because something's blocking. It's like, what's that blocking me? It's the fifth wall. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. It is. It's really goddamn funny. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Axel Braun does great costumes, does great comedy, is genuinely funny. Holy shit. <laughs> so man, make that the stocking stuffer this season, you know, for, for the parents, for, you know, the kids. Just put Deadpool Triple X in there. <laughs> It's the right one. It's the right... Seriously, if there was ever a time when it's like, no, you should just, like, cut out all the hardcore sex stuff and make, like, a clean version (laughs) and put that up online, you should do it for that. Yeah, just to ape off the the actual movie doing that. You really should, and even sell it like, hey, don't go see that rehashed crap that is Once Upon a Deadpool. Watch my genuinely funny porn parody. You know what's even funnier? They could probably even get Ryan Reynolds to actually voice wade in that right. <laughs> like overdubbed the actual like port actor's the, voice <laughs> the dude they got is doing a pitch perfect ryan reynolds impression oh really yes. really it's not the oh, same wow. guy but he is doing a pitch perfect impression he's even, oh wow the suit also looks exactly like the movie 
and he's got the movements down. He's got everything down. It's it's shocking how accurate well, they went in on this. You see what they didn't say was that it is actually Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's the secret. It's actually Ryan Reynolds. Man, you know, I kept saying all this year, and I know I said this because I listened back to our best of special, which will be airing next week. I talked a lot about trying to get Axel Braun on the show. I have his email. He never wrote me back. This was around like New York Comic Con a couple years back now. I should really try and get him again because if he's probably promoting Once Upon a Dead or a Deadpool Triple X, it would be a good time to get him in. <laughs> that would be. Hey, come on our comic podcast and talk about your comic themed porn films. <laughs> no, no one else in this uh, genre of geek news is talking to him. I'll talk to him. I'll take that bullet. <laughs> Seems like a cool dude. Seems genuinely funny. He does he does the box art and the design for his own website and everything. <laughs> he might give me some pointers on how to make uh, the channel more uh, more appealing to more people. <laughs> Put some boobs on it. Okay. Numbers just shoot right the fuck up. You were right. I know. <laughs> we're rich. Holy shit. <laughs> Axel, you are my Jedi Master. You unlocked a whole world that I did not think possible just by putting boobs in the thumbnail. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if YouTube cracked down on that anymore. I know there was a point on YouTube where everyone was doing that. I think they do. They probably do now, but you know. We, 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 our demographic is probably mostly children, so yeah, yeah they'll crack down on that. No, I, I Last time I checked, they skew like 18 to 35. I could be wrong, though. Oh, well, YouTube's fucked, so they probably think they're bad. Oh, they're babies. They're children. But it's, it's a 35-year-old it's man. It's a child. By today's standards, who will look after the sweet baby children ages male 18 to 35? We YouTube will. <laughs> but, but be sure to, what is it, subscribe to PewDiePie and click every link he gives you. Even if it's Nazi. No, you can't say that because the, the that immediate you mentioned PewDiePie that immediately makes us alt right. Oh, I know. Apparent, right? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> did did you see on his last stream he just wore a KKK costume? In a moment of gaming anger, he went and put on a KKK costume, <laughs> and, we, and we have to forgive him for that because <laughs> it was a it was a moment of gaming anger, like that guy who beat up his wife, who I think was from Australia. He was. We covered it on the news. Uh, oh, oh, that that made national. Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> actually, something something similar happened in Canada. Actually, a professional StarCraft player who beat up his wife on stream in, in a moment of gaming anger. <laughs> it, it, it's very clinical, Matt. Moment of gaming anger. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's like you're playing Red Dead. You get tied to someone else's horse. Anyone would do it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, is that the show for this week, Matt? Is that everything? Have we covered it all? Have we said what needs to be I said? I think, I think so, yeah. All right, I guess <laughs> we'll sign off there, and I guess this is the last time, too, for, for you at least, Matt. I'm going to record a little something and connect it to the, uh, best of show, but, uh, yeah, if you had any holiday wishes for anyone, now would be the time to get it out, and any holiday plugs. Yeah, uh, thank you everyone for joining us for this year in the Comic Multiverse. Uh, I'm sure next year will be even bigger. Um, thank you everyone for joining me on my channel as well as uh, I power through all my reviews in, in the in the little free time I have now. There's so much that came out this week. They're really <laughs> bearing the lead and trying to drown us. I'm gonna. I'm imagining because Christmas falls on a Tuesday, that Wednesday is going to be dead, I imagine. Hopefully. 
hopefully i I want a day off please i know well we'll we'll have a we'll have our first and maybe only day off of the year coming this week because thankfully we have something pre-recorded and even then i'm not going to stop because i got other shows i got to do stuff on yep yep but yeah uh as always, too, you know, uh, thank you for this year for following us on iTunes. I know people have been asking us for that pretty much since the inception of the show, and I was too goddamn lazy to do it. <laughs> thank you for not letting that go and kicking me in the ass. Numbers and viewership are actually up consistently since I made the move to iTunes. So, hey, <laughs> thank you for knowing better than me on that one. I appreciate it. Uh, again, you can find the show on SoundCloud usually the day after and iTunes. You can download it carried around with you you know good good downloads are always nice for me when i'm trying to you know entice sponsors to give us things hasn't worked yet but one day it will <laughs> and that's what i'm fighting for uh of course too uh with the holidays coming up and christmas and gift giving season if you are a comic fan looking for a little gift for yourself or if you're buying something for someone who likes comics be sure to use our book depository link down in the description not only do you get a great deal on comics and not have to pay a cent for shipping, but everything you buy goes to help and support Matt and myself. So that is always yeah. highly appreciated. If you are a patron, again, you will get to listen to this show first before anyone else for as little as a dollar a month. Again, big ups to you. Big uh, Merry Christmases, Happy Holidays to you. Because really, you make every month Christmas, you know, when you give us that little bit of extra cheese, that cheddar to keep us going so I can pay Matt and pay to keep the internet on and the lights on and everything. That's that's much appreciated. Yeah, definitely. There's also Amazon links down there, too. If you use something there, I also get some money. So that's always appreciated as well. Awesome. I don't actually know how much money is. I just know people do it. So I do it. <laughs> I think, I think it's like something stupid. It's like 3% and they only pay out when you reach $100. But hey, yeah, every yeah. every income stream is important. So, you know, that's... Yeah. Ne never say you didn't learn anything watching this show. No. All right. So on that note, everyone, thank you so much for watching. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. We will see you again in the new year with new content. And I mean, it's not like I'm not also going to be putting up videos as well. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, it's just it's just the last time you're going to see us on podcast for a bit. And I mean, you can still reach me on Twitter. I'll still talk to you and shit and on Facebook <laughs> and everywhere else. I'm, not, I, I'm making it sound like we're like taking Christmas. We're really not, though, as YouTubers. No, you really <laughs> stopping can't. one show. No, yeah. <clears throat> again, being a YouTuber, you really can't take any goddamn time off. And again, it's only going to be for like a week yeah <laughs> all right so thank you everyone and we will be back again next time bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.